Many of you know who I am. Usually, I get up here and say I'm Laura Johnson and I'm a Bethel Seminary student. Today, I'm going, I get to get up here and say I'm Laura Johnson and I'm a Bethel Seminary graduate. So. Thank you. Last night was the graduation ceremony and I'm just gonna tell you a little personal story from this. As many of you know, I am not one to show many emotions. Um, that's changing a little bit. But last night, all of my classmates and I formed up in the chapel at the seminary building. Once we were formed up, we uh, processed over to the main Benson Hall for the ceremony. As we were walking out, the bells were going off. And I've never heard those bells before. That triggered some emotions in me. I started crying. <laughs> and like I said, I never do that. If I do, it's not in public. So we processed over there. And then once we got in Benson Hall, all the faculty and staff and everybody were standing in two lines and we were walking through them. They were cheering and clapping and everything for us. Again, I started crying. So it was a very emotional night for me. It was awesome. So today I'm gonna to talk about the Lord's Prayer, which we've been hearing songs about and talking about so far. And we just talked about the, um, the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Matthew, and where it was, Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, probably smack dab in the middle of it. And then the Luke version, uh, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And there, Jesus teaches them to pray, again, the Our Father, Lord's Prayer, but it's a shorter version. And um, the context of that is basically, Lord, teach us to pray. And with this request, the disciples were acknowledging that they could not pray on their own. So a question I want to ask this morning is, do we need to acknowledge that our prayer life needs work? So back six, seven, or, six or seven years ago when my journey started, I, w I had a bunch of coaches uh, appointed to me. And I was not happy about it because I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. I could do this on my own. Um, the person who appointed these coaches I worked with them one day a week, probably three, four hours a day, and we did a lot of talking. And he was always asking me about my childhood and my high school days. Well, in high school, I was kind of a goof off. I didn't need the grades or anything because I knew I was going in the Navy. So I just, my goal was to just have fun, and I succeeded in that goal. And I told him about this. Well, I think that's why he appointed the coaches. So. <laughs> I got accepted to Bethel University. I took my first class and I got an A. And I think he was um, kind of shocked about that because he threw a dinner party for me with all my coaches, my people I worked with, and we sat down for dinner. His wife and him made a great dinner for us. We sat down and he had a very long table. And he was on one end, I was on the other end. And I should have seen this coming, but he said, Laura, 
uh, would, you play, would you say grace? And I was freaking out because at that point I had never prayed out loud before. And it wasn't a request or a, you know, Laura, please say grace. It was, Laura, say grace. And so I was freaking out and I was trying to figure out how to get out of this. And I could not argue with them, especially in public, that would be a bad thing. And so my wheels started turning and I was sitting at this end, the front door was right over here, my car was right out front. <laughs> and so I figured I could crawl under the table and just kind of sneak out. Well, I realized he had appointed a prayer coach. She was over here, my boss was right here, and then my supervisor was right here at the end of the table. But most importantly, my fitness nutrition coach, was a real tall guy, works out all the time, was sitting directly in front of me across the table. And he's kind of intimidating, especially around me, you know, being I kind of provoke him most of the time. And so I realized there was no way I could do that. So finally, I convinced myself, just pray. So I prayed, and it wasn't that bad. It didn't even hurt. So that's a story of my first time praying out loud. Well then, during the seminary, the last four years in seminary, I made this really good friend. And we had preaching class our third year, and it was like at seven o'clock at night. And um, so we would go out to Devani's prior to class and just chill, talk, and eat. So I had told him about you know, my fear of prayer and everything. So we would get to Devani's and the food would come. And he would just sit there, fold his hands like this, and just look at me. He had this weird grin on his face. And the first few times I argued with him, I'm like, come on, I don't want to say that. And he wouldn't budge. We just, for the first couple times, we just sat there for, seemed like forever, but it wasn't. So finally I prayed. Well then, now he does the same thing. And we, you know, he puts his arms out and everything, and um, he looks at me with a weird grin, and I just pray. And so... That's kind of how I got over my fear of prayer. And just a bunch of people here, just the interventions I've had. So with that, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. And we thank you for all these people in this room, all the support I've had. And we just ask that you're with us during this time, during my message, and helping us to understand what the Lord's Prayer is really about. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, Timothy Keller, in his book, Prayer, states that many people will pray when they are required by cultural or social expectations, such as saying grace, or perhaps by the anxiety caused by troubling circumstances, like me waiting for my ethics grade right now. He goes on to say that those with a genuinely lived relationship with God as Father, however, will inwardly want to pray and therefore will pray even though nothing on the outside is pressing them to do so. This is us making, getting a relationship with our Father. Prayer is an active agreement with God. Prayer helps us to check our attitudes and change our ways. Prayer transforms us and brings us closer to God. A man's daughter had asked the local pastor to come and pray with her father. When the preacher arrived, he found the man lying in bed with an empty chair beside his bed. The pastor assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. 
I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? I'm the new pastor at your local church, he replied. When I saw the empty chair, I figured you knew I was going to show up. Puzzled, the pastor, would you mind closing the door? Puzzled, the pastor shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter. But all of my life, I have never known how to pray. At church, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it always went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer, the old man continued, until one day about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down in a chair, place an empty chair in front of you, and in faith, see Jesus sitting in that chair. Then just speak to him and listen in the same way you're doing with me right now. So I tried it and I've liked it so, so much that I do it a couple hours every day. I'm careful though, if my daughter sees me, she'll either have a nervous breakdown or she'll send me to the funny farm. The pastor was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old guy to continue this journey. Then he prayed with him and returned to the church. Two nights later, the daughter called him and told him that her daddy had died that afternoon. And the pastor asked, did he seem to be, die in peace? And she said, yes, when I left the house around two o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his corny jokes, and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found him dead. But there was something strange, in fact, beyond strange, kind of weird. Apparently, just before daddy died, he leaned over and rested his head on a chair beside the bed. Henry Nowen, a deceased Catholic theologian and author, gives us some tough questions to think about while we unpack the Lord's Prayer. Can we reach out to God as our God? Is intimacy with God possible? Can we develop a loving relationship with him who transcends all of our understanding? Prayer is about God. Prayer is God-centered. Prayer is learning who you are before God and giving him your full essence. Prayer brings, brings us closer to ourselves, which in turn brings us closer to God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer states, Praying certainly does not mean simply pouring out one's heart. It means rather finding the way to and speaking with God whether our heart is full or empty. No one can do, what, do that on one's own. For that, one needs Jesus Christ. So like the scripture said this morning, Jesus taught his disciples to pray by teaching them the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer for each of us. It is not a one-size-fits-all. It is not intended to supersede all others. This prayer includes adoration, supplication for the kingdom, for personal needs, for forgiveness, for deliverance from temptation, and the ascription of glory. It is both individual and universal. All the prayers in scripture are summed up in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, 
teach us to pray. So I'm going to unpack the Lord's Prayer and the seven petitions. The address is, Our Father who art in heaven. When we, when we pray, we are to talk to God as Abba, our dear Father. The first three petitions are God-centered. First, hallowed be your name. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, sums up the message of this petition when he says, understand what you're talking about when you're talking about God. This is serious. This is the most wonderful and frightening reality that we could imagine. The second petition, your kingdom comes. Jesus in the Gospel of John states, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants, servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And John Calvin states, he believed that there were two ways God's kingdom comes, through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God, which shapes our thoughts. Martin Luther adds that the reign of God on earth is only partial now, but the fullness of the future kingdom is unimaginable. All suffering, injustice, poverty, and death will be ended. To pray thy kingdom, thy kingdom come is a yearn for that future life of justice and peace. And to ask that your future kingdom may be the end of consummation of the kingdom you have begun in us. Number three, thy will be done. Friends, if we cannot say these words from the very bottoms of our heart, we will, know, we will not know any peace. We must surrender our pride. And Paul in Romans 12 tells us how to do this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. So as I said in the beginning, the first three petitions recognize God as our dear Father. So now we move into the final four petitions, which takes our focus to, uh, to our needs and to the needs of the world. Number four, give us this day our daily bread. Well, friends, we're not praying for a loaf of bread here. In fact, the word bread in Greek is translated to artos, necessities. We are asking that our necessities be met according to God's will. Jesus charges us to bring our prayer list and needs into the line of the new frame of heart. Proverbs 30 pretty much captures this perfectly. Keep falsehood and lies far from one. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. 
Petition five highlights our relationship with God and others. This petition challenges us to look inside ourselves and to locate the source of our pride. So now we've heard the word pride twice, which means it's important. We need to locate, look inside and locate where our pride is and work on it. When we ask God for forgiveness, it's only right that we have forgiven those who have wronged us first. And on a side note, in 2017, Pope Francis proposed that the wording be changed to do not let us fall into temptation, explaining that I am the one who falls. It's not God pushing me into temptation to then see how I have fallen. Those against this proposal believe that the Pope is treading on thin ice, stepping into a theological debate about the nature of evil. The seventh petition states, it's also worded as deliver us from the evil one. And according to Martin Luther, this petition is directed towards evils that come from the devil's kingdom, such as poverty, dishonor, and death, and anything that threatens our welfare. And then we have the doxology, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. While the Gospel of Luke does not contain the doxology, the Gospel of Matthew does. And Keller states, after descending into our needs, troubles, and limitations, we return to the truth of God's complete sufficiency. Here our hearts can end with tranquil repose and the remembrance that nothing ever, nothing can ever snatch away the kingdom, power, and the glory from our heavenly, loving Father. So folks, Jesus answers the request of the disciples. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And the Holy Spirit teaches us how and why we ought to pray. God responds to our prayers based on what will further his will in our lives. We need to pray for God's will to be done in our our lives. Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer to the disciples as a model of how to pray a model of how to begin or refresh their prayer lives and our prayer lives. He is close at hand. He is always ready to listen. He knows what we need. When we live into the will of God, our prayers are likely to be effective. However, if we do not live into the will of God, our prayers are likely to be self-centered. So friends, all our Father wants from us is a relationship. As we heard earlier, this relationship does not come from us just praying to him once and spilling our hearts. Yes, we, sp- we can spill our hearts, but we do not, that's not our relationship. He wants a conversation with us. He wants us to talk to him, to pray to him. He wants a conversation like we have with our friends here. Lord, 
teach us to pray. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. He also taught us the Lord, he also taught us the Lord's Prayer and the power that it carries. So please stand with me and pray the Lord's Prayer with me. The words should be up on the screen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For years is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.